Thank you so much for tuning into the Reclamation Church podcast. My name is John. I serve as the youth director here at Reclamation Church in Plano, Texas. And I hope this sermon grows your faith. I hope that it encourages you today. And for more information on Reclamation Church, you can visit us at our website, re.church. That being said, let's listen in. share with you guys so earlier um you know we gave a shout out to our our visiting worship leaders and we're so glad they're here and they do a great job uh to kind of peel back the curtain what you are not aware of is that pj is a little under the weather and so uh very last minute he had to call uh, rally the troops and they stepped up and did an amazing job and uh, a testament to them but also a testament to really uh just pj's leadership and just having everything ready to go so uh and i gotta say um if you don't know this about my brother pj uh, his wife is here, and she'll attest to this. He's a very emotional and sentimental guy. And so I think it would just do the wonders for him if we could all send him a text or an email and be as sappy as possible and just say we love you. And then make sure you do see, please respond back to me, and he will do that, I guarantee it, because he is he's a lover, that guy. <laughs> all right, so listen, we are uh, in week two of a series that we're calling um, – discovering our calling and what we're talking about honestly is the fact that we are all uniquely called to do something and I I don't want to take too much time kind of doing the fluff stuff because I've got a lot that I want to cover today and so we're going to jump directly into this but for the purpose to kind of start things off I want you to understand that I'm standing up here called to kind of deliver the word to you today now if you're like okay who's this guy think he is hold on I want to acknowledge, though, that you are in the crowd and you are online, both men and women, and you are called as well. And so we very much have a kind of a a neutral uh, uh, playing field here, if you will. And what I want to talk about, honestly, is this idea of pursuing your calling and, and dare I say, kind of reclaiming your calling. Because sometimes we think that this calling is, I'm going to go do this something amazing for God. And we touched on this last week that really what we need to be about is becoming more like like Jesus and learning what it means to be holy and being obedient and letting him show us what we're going to do. And I want to actually start by reading a scripture with you guys that was really kind of our key verse last week, and we're going to use this to carry on really through the whole series. It is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking. We know that he's in prison when he writes this letter. It's about 30, you know, some years after Jesus died, went back to heaven. And here's what he says. He says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, that's why he's in prison. He says, I beg you, right? I plead with you. I implore you. You see this emotion. He says, to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. Now, we talked about this last week, that if you have this unique calling on your life, that can almost be a little overwhelming, intimidating, because what if I miss my calling? What I want to talk about today are four different callings that you have in your life, and you think, wait, now we're going from one to four? Uh, These are four, dare I say, kind of pillars, if you want to, when it looks at the Christian faith. Uh, I learned these way back in college, and, and it's amazing how those years get further and further and further back. But way back in college, and so if you were a note taker, I want to encourage you to take notes because we're going to go through pretty quickly on these. Um, of course, it'll be on the screen. You guys can, those who are at home, this is so crazy to me. You can just actually just, just mute me and pause me whenever you want to. Um, so you could take your notes that way. All right, so I have up here this morning, for the purpose of this illustration, 
because I'm a very visual learner. Um, I believe Jesus taught visually, and to me that helps me kind of recall things. And I think it's important to understand that, first of all, if you're taking notes, different things that you were called to, the first thing you're called to is your salvation. And so I have up here a table that we know requires four legs. And the first one is this idea of salvation in our lives. Now, Jesus said very clearly, he said, I didn't come for those who think they're okay. I didn't come for those who think they're healthy. In fact, if you want to get very specific, here's what he says. Healthy people don't need a doctor. This is the word of Jesus. He said, sick people do. Now, I don't know about you, but... I tend to lean more on the troubled, sick person than the I've got it all figured out person. Here's what he says. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous. In other words, if you think you have it all figured out, it's almost like Jesus goes, yeah, see how that works out for you. But here's what he says. I come for those who know they are sinners. And make no mistake, we are absolutely called to our salvation. Now, the reason I want to bring this up is because sometimes we act as if, you know, well, I became a Christian, maybe it was a year ago, maybe it was 12 years ago, maybe for some of us it was decades ago, and we think, well, that was a long time ago, and it's just like a boom, boom, move on. Never let it kind of turn into this this gray area of, yeah, I was saved. That's a calling in your life that you were saved. And so as I apply this table leg to this table, let me tell you how I, I got to my salvation because I was maybe 15 years old. And it's amazing how God works. Um, unfortunately, I picked a table that has a lot of threads, and so you're going to get annoyed by this, and I apologize. But when I was 15 years old, my best friend lived right across the street from me, and he had a crush on this girl. And he said, man, she's invited me to go to church. And, of course, we had never gone to church. And he said, man, she's invited me to go to church, and I don't want to go by myself. He was just too much of a wimp. And so kind of the bro code, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll go to church with you, you know, uh, I'll take one for the team because that's what, that's what guys do, you know, to impress the ladies. And so I went to this church, this, this little, very traditional, I had no idea what I was walking into, West Amarillo Christian Church. And I walked in and I immediately hated it. I was like, man, the music's horrible. They all dress weird. They all talk weird. I did, nothing about it really appealed to me except all of a sudden, I was accepted and I had this incredible community and there was a youth pastor that poured into me and loved on me. Um, and, and this may surprise you guys, this may really blow your mind, but when I was in high school, uh, I wasn't really the popular kid. I know. I wasn't the voter most likely to succeed. I, I was kind of the, the quiet kid in the back of the class who didn't really say much. Anybody else fall in those shadows? So that's, that's who I was. And so all of a sudden I, I go to this church and even though I'm like, well, the music's a little weird and they're a little weird, but all of a sudden I find this community and I fell in love with it. And so over time I keep going, I keep going, I keep going. And, 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 the, and the youth pastor, a guy named Byron Mathis, he sat down with me and said, I'd like to talk to you about that word right there, salvation. And I'm like, well, what? I, I, what? What is this word? And he begins to just lay out the gospel for me, you know, sin and this and trouble and, you know, Romans 6, 23, and he walks me through the whole thing. And so I don't, I don't mean this to downplay what he led me through, but let me just explain the way I saw it through my eyes is he led me through saying the magic words, I accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I'm a Christian now, right? And then it wasn't even a couple of weeks. I was like, okay, now, it's, now it's time for you to get dunked, man. It's time for you to get, and they were talking that casual, but like, what are you talking about? 
Well, now it's time for you to, our old church, to go up the stairs and up the stairs into the magic water and he's gonna put you under the water and bring you back out. And I'm like, okay, I guess if that's the next step, I'll do it, right? And I did it. Now, I'll be honest, it, it took me years later to realize what that symbolized and really what that moment was, but I, yes, indeed, earnestly accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And so salvation, I was there. We are called to be saved. And, and if we could be honest, uh, there's not a lot we do when it comes to the saving part. It's kind of a, we're in, right? Now, the second, the second calling is a little bit more different because this calling is this word, sanctification. Say it worth me. Sanctification. How often do you use that word in your daily vocabulary? Okay. Sanctification is a Christianese word, which basically means set apart. It means the process of becoming holy, if you want to look at it that way. And so honestly, even though I was saved and I had earned myself, didn't earn anything, I had received my salvation it's like, you know, God basically said, hey, Tom, I love you. I accept you. But honestly, I love you too much to stay the way you are. And so he began to work in my life. And you might say the sanctification process is kind of like rubbing off the rough edges on something. You know, it's not always fun. It's not always comfortable. But before long, you know, things like, uh, oh, I probably shouldn't say those words. I probably shouldn't, you know, watch those movies anymore. I should probably not listen to that music anymore. I should probably get rid of the magazines I have hiding in the attic that, you know, my dad doesn't know are there, you know, those things. And as you become sanctified, it's talking about being set apart. You're becoming a little bit different and God starts working on you. Here's an incredibly important verse. We also looked at this one last week, 2 Timothy 1, 9. Here's what scripture says, for God saved us and called us. Again, this is what he does not say that he called us to go to Africa to be a missionary. Now we have those who are in Africa who actually watch our, 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 our I was about to say show, that's so weird, isn't it? To, that watch our, our service every week and we're glad you guys tune in and listen. But, but we're not called first thing to go be a missionary in Africa. We're also not called first thing to, hey, you know, you, you, you come out of the womb and you, and you crack up on some kind of your little uh, cookie shell and it comes out like your purpose in life is to cure cancer. That sounds great, but that's not what this is talking about. What it says is, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life, hence sanctification, okay? God did this not because we deserved it. It says, oh, no, 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 no. Be because this was his plan from the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And so really, that this word sanctification I mean, we, we can make it really kind of complicated, but if you want to get very specific, <clears throat> here's what it's talking about. It's talking about becoming more like Jesus, okay? So in scripture, what we see is we see Jewish teachers, which are known as rabbis, and then we see their disciples, which are basically their students, and, and they don't just go to class, much like, catch this, we don't just go attend church for an hour, Okay, it's completely different. If you were a disciple following a rabbi, that's your new life. If you come to church and you give your life to Jesus, this is your new life. It's not something you go be a part of, it's something you are, it's in your DNA. And so the sanctification process is really, as Jesus begins to rub off the rough edges, I'm gonna get one more quarter turn here. I'm not gonna get it, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna do it. Okay, 
sanctification. That was the second one for me, okay? Now, here's what's really interesting. Um, Sometimes we water this down as believers and as Christians. In fact, there is a a Christian t-shirt, and I don't even want to use the word Christian t-shirt because to me it is not a Christian t-shirt that drives me nuts. And, And here's this shirt right here. I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. And we're gonna mark, I cuss a lot. I love Jesus, but I cuss a lot. And I'm like, wait a minute. When I look at that, where's the repentance? Where's the remorse? Where, where is the, I'm striving to be holy like my rabbi? Because right there, scripture says, we are called to live a holy life. Now, I really wanna be careful. I don't wanna come off as legalistic. And if you do anything wrong, you're bad. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But there very much is this struggle between what we do and what we don't want to do. In fact, the Apostle Paul talks about this in the book of Romans, and it really is is hilarious in my opinion. Romans 6 and Romans 7, and here's what Apostle Paul says basically. He says, man, the very thing I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. It's like I get tempted and I so don't want to do this. And then before you know it, I walk right into it. And it's like, oh, and you see this go back and forth for two whole chapters. There's a struggle there. I don't see that when I see that shirt. I see that as a, oh, I cuss a lot and we accept it and we move on. It's just who I am. And yet scripture says that's not good enough. We are called to live a holy life. So a blurb out of Romans 6, just four verses, here's what it says. 6.12, it says, do not let sin control the way you live. Now this is Paul talking about. This is the struggle he's talking about. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Now look at this, verse 15. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can just go on sinning? Does that not mean we could just, you know, we don't cuss a little bit, we, we cuss a lot. He says, of course not. Don't you realize that you become slaves of that which you are trying to obey? You can be a slave to sin which leads to death or you can choose to obey God which leads to righteous living. And the reason I see those shirts and I'm like, I, I just, I get so frustrated because what, what if we just took out the word cuss and we say, hey, I'm a Christian, but I look, at, I look at porn a little bit. I mean, a lot. I look at a lot of porn. At what point is that okay as a culture? Or hey, I, I'm a Christian, but you know, I, 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 I hate people. I know Jesus says, love everybody, do not hate, but I, I hate a lot of people. Or I gossip a lot. Or hey, I'm a Christian, but I just, I dabble a little bit in, you know, having extramarital affairs. Adultery, eh. There, there's no remorse there. And what Paul says is, no, of course not. We must strive to be like our rabbi. And the process of sanctification is God taking you from where you were. He accepts you exactly where you were at and through the course of your life. Now catch this, salvation, instantaneous. Sanctification, It's a lifelong process. And he will work in you for the rest of your life. And what we cannot do is say, well, that's just who I am. I cuss a lot. I like looking at porn. That's just, no, 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 no. 
We are to give God our glory and give him what he's due by saying, you know what? I'm gonna try with everything in me and that's the Holy Spirit inside of me to let you help me become more like you. Number three, hmm. absolutely, he calls every single one of us to this idea of service. Now, here's what I wanna point out. So, so far, we have salvation, which if I could just be honest, as a pastor, that's not necessarily a, a, a hard sell with people. You know, when you sit down with someone and you say, hey, Jesus loves you, he wants to save you from the pits of hell, he wants to give you eternal, you know, paradise with him, they're like, what's the downside? There's really not, it's a free gift. I mean, he, he did everything, I'll, I'll take it. Okay, so, so we have, we have that, that one leg, right? And then before long, it's like, okay, but I love you enough. I don't want to keep you where you're at. The sanctification leg is actually one of those callings that a lot of people just like, nah. And so they're almost kind of going around like this weird, funky table that's not doing anything. But then here's what happens. Over time, you know, God, okay, he's changing you. And he's changing you and your habits and your personality and he's humbling you and through life circumstance and just like you are becoming a different person and what's happening is you're becoming more and more and more like Jesus. And the cool thing is, as the world sees you, they go, you're, you're just not the same you used to be. Well, yeah, it's because I'm, I'm studying scripture and I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in a small group and I'm learning what it means to be held accountable and, and, and to love people and to, and to share and it's like, okay. But then there's this other pillar, if you will, and that pillar is this idea of service. Again, respectfully, this is where we as Americans kind of mess this up. Because I think what Jesus had in store was this idea that, okay, you are now to serve me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because again, you are my disciple. What we turn this into is, okay, I've got the salvation. I'm going to try to be a better person. And I guess, I guess I can, you know, work in the nursery once a month. And we act as if this somehow, we're, we're doing so much for Jesus. And we're missing the point. And what, what God's talking about is I don't care if you're at the church building, I don't care if you're at the workplace, I, I don't care if you're at school, you are my hands, you are my feet, you are my disciple. You don't go and do anything, you are something. And when the apostle Paul is pleading with us saying, please live a life worthy of your calling, what he's saying is realize who you are. That church is nothing you go attend, church is who we are. And so he takes this idea of service and he says, man, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what it is. This is, this is who we are. Colossians 3.17, again, we looked at this one last week. Paul says, whatever you do, what, what, whatever it is, right? Whether it's in word or in deed, we, we do it all. We do every bit of it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to him, to God through him. Okay, so regardless of what it is, it, it's, it's good, it's bad, it, it's, it's hard, it's, it's fun, it's easy, it's sad. We're gonna do it all for the glory of God. So Monday, I had the unique privilege of performing a funeral 
for a dairy, very dear friend of our church, uh, Betty Gilbert, went to go be with the Lord. Um, and I will tell you, it's very rare for me to be able to stand in front of people and describe the life of a person to their closest family and friends and say this woman was a disciple to the truest sense of the word. And what we did in that environment, it's hard. Plenty of tears, plenty of crying. But what we did there is we celebrated and we worshiped the Lord. And what he says is whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God. And so maybe, maybe for you it's as something as I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go sit next to that coworker that no one really likes, that everyone kind of talks bad about his back or behind her back or whatever, and I'm gonna go befriend them and love on them. Or I'm gonna go out of my way because I know that that one person is struggling, they've, they've gone through a divorce or maybe they're fighting cancer or whatever it might be. And again, the spirit kind of nudges you just a little bit and says, hey, I, I'm putting this thought in your mind for a reason. Follow the thought. Do what I'm telling you to do. And, and see, that, that is this idea of service, wherever it is, is we are in service to the Lord. And so whenever the Holy Spirit kind of goes, hey, hey, go do that. Okay, I'll do it. See, that's completely different than saying, well, it looks like the rotation, I'm on the third Sunday of the month to go serve back in the, no, 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 no. Not a whole lot of Holy Spirit prompting spontaneously that way. Service is being ready to serve whatever God calls you to do. And here's what kind of happens though over time. We have these voices in our mind and this massive question that says, am I ready for that? Can I even do that? And so you have a whole lot of Christians who have been saved and they're in the process of salvation and this process of, of sanctification and yet when it comes to serving, they're like, mm, you need to find somebody else to do that. I, I, I don't like to public speak or I don't like to get out of my comfort zone or I don't like, I don't like, I don't like, I don't like. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. It, very clearly, I don't think Jesus liked being nailed to a cross either, right? It's time to get out of our comfort zone. And when the Holy Spirit nudges us, go do this, our job is to respond. But we have these voices in our minds that say these things like, hey, you don't know enough. Don't we have those voices? You're not good enough. And you play out these ridiculous scenarios. Well, what, what if I'm talking to them and, I, and I'm teaching, you know, the, the, the third graders back there in kids ministry. And then, you know, little Johnny says, well, what about dinosaurs? Because my, my grandpa says that the Bible doesn't talk about dinosaurs. And so evolution, and what do you, how are you gonna answer that one? And you're like, uh-uh, it just, you just, just stumped me. I'm out, I, I don't know that one, right? Or, or your coworker says, well, hey, are we really living in the end times? Like, I don't know. Let me Google that and I'll get back to you, right? We, we're like, what if these things happen? And so before long, we, we talk ourselves out and we just say, okay, I, I'm, I'm not good enough, right? I'm still the guy who, who, who goes nuts when road rage happens. And I'm like, ah, there's no way I could possibly serve Jesus, Right? Listen to this scripture, 1 Corinthians 1.26. I, I love this lovely little reminder. Here's what it says. My dear friends, hey, would you remember when God chose you? Now keep in mind, he's talking to the apostles. Th these are the men, by the way, that we name our kids after. We name buildings after. We name towns after. 
we name massive cathedrals and churches after these people, right? My dear friends, remember, remember when you were where you were when God chose you. The people of this world didn't, didn't think that much of you were wise. In fact, only a few of you were even in places of power. And hey, not many of you really had important families. In other words, you didn't come from a good pedigree. Nothing special about you. You were unqualified. You were unprepared, right? You were nervous out of your minds. You were wet behind the ears. You were what? You were nothing. And yet look what God has done through you. He has advanced the mission. Here we are 2,000 years later talking about Jesus Christ, talking about the gospel, talking about the church. Why? Because of these ordinary, actually scripture calls them idiotes, which means idiots, okay? These ordinary idiots. He's just normal guys. He's just average normal folks. And if God can do it through them, God can do it through us. I love the old saying from a guy named Rick Warren. Rick Warren has a mega church out in California, Saddleback, and he's done an incredible thing for, for the church world. And, and here's what he says. He says, God doesn't call the prepared. And you've heard this. God prepares the cult. And if we're just willing to be a vessel to say, okay, God, I'll do it. I, I, feel, you, I feel you saying, go talk to them. I feel you saying, go mow their grass. I feel you saying, I need to give that person some groceries, whatever it might be. We, we are willing to do it. And then God shows up and does it through us. And all of a sudden your faith and your stock in who Jesus is begins to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay, so we have three legs here. And these are very much the traditional, right? So we have salvation. Okay, yeah, I don't wanna go to hell, Jesus. I'll take it. Okay, that's great. We have sanctification, and Jesus goes, you know, listen, the way you treat your wife, we're going to work on that. Okay, Jesus. And over time, he works on it, right? And then he goes, hey, and by the way, I really, I really want you to do this. And it, and it takes some time, right? But eventually we say, okay, yeah, I'll do it. But there's a fourth calling that, boy, we don't like at all. And that fourth calling in our life is the calling of suffering. You're like, oh, no, no, no. Because listen, I have a very comfortable life, right? I mean, I have air conditioning and I have heated seats. And boy, I can go to bed and feel all nice and toasty. And I'm even to the point now respectfully to everybody at home. If I don't like the message, I'll just turn the channel, right? I, I'm not really my thing. We can control everything about this. And yet the moment that suffering enters, we don't like it. And understandably, ain't nothing fun about suffering, right? L let me give you some sobering, sobering verses about suffering. Acts 14, 22. They encouraged the followers and begged them to remain faithful. Look at this. They told them, we have to suffer a lot before we can get into God's kingdom. But I don't want to suffer a lot. Sorry. It's kind of like growing pains, right? Look at this one. Jesus is speaking, John 15, 20. Hey, remember how I told you that servants are not greater than their masters? And in this case, understandably, he's the master, we're the servant, right? He says, so if people mistreat me, go ahead and expect they're going to mistreat you. If they mistreat the king, I'm not the king. Peter says this in 1 Peter 4. He says, dear friends, don't be surprised or even shocked 
that you're going through all this testing, that this walking through fire, that's a test. In fact, Jesus, you know what he said, right, about this whole idea of suffering in this world? He says, in this world, you will have trouble. He doesn't even like sugarcoat it. He's like, you're gonna have some bad days, some good, you're gonna have trouble. But in the second half of that verse is so cool. But take heart, I have overcome this world. Whether we like it or not, suffering is absolutely part of the Christian life. So in the time that I have left, and I'm gonna go through pretty quick, I just wanna answer the question, why, why must we suffer? And why is this really a calling on our life? I mean, we love the idea of being called to do something great for God. But this idea of having to just suffer almost sounds cruel. If you're not taking notes, number one is this. We have to suffer because, first of all, this thing called free will. L- let me word it this way. Basically, uh, we can mess up our own lives. In-, in other words, God gives us the freedom to make our own choices. And you know what? If I want to go out and-, and experiment with drugs, yeah, I very well could become addicted. My consequence to my sin. Or, hey, you, you want to be promiscuous and sleep around? Yeah, you very well could get an STD. Could, could kill you. That- that- that's-, that's free will. There are consequences to sin. But then beyond that, okay, why, why must I suffer? Here's a big one, to get our attention. As almost this, this, this warning sign going off in our lives. And you've heard this, this quote before that, that God will whisper to us in moments of you know, goodness in our lives, but he shouts to us in our pain. He has this megaphone, he's like, I'm trying to get your attention. And when everything's going great, we kind of like, yeah, sometimes we kind of forget about God, right? Proverbs 20, 30, listen to this. Sometimes, sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. So I was in Burger King one time working because, you know, I was 16 and living high in the world. And I was the fry cook. And we had this big vat of fried vegetable grease that you would put the fries down into. And, and they reused that grease for like three days, if you don't know that. It's lovely. And so my job was to get this, this big 55-gallon drum called a fry daddy. And it had this big metal crank that comes out and goes down into the thing. And, and you literally, you crank it. And all it does is it sucks up all that grease and puts it in the vat and you take it out and you put it in the grease trap and then you put all the new grease in there. What they don't tell you is, as you're and you get a little exhausted, you grab this piece of metal to give you leverage and there's boiling hot grease going through that piece of metal. And you grab onto that and it takes you a minute. It's like your hand just just convulses around it. And I finally got my hand off and I have third degree burns all over my hand. Can I tell you I never did that again? <laughs> Ever. I wasn't even tempted. I'm like, mm, mm, mm. What, what does Proverbs say? Sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. And sometimes God's just trying to get our attention. Uh, look at this one, uh, 2 Corinthians 7, 9. They say, now I'm, I'm glad, not, not because you're hurt, but because you were moved to make a permanent change that can only happen with the realization that your actions have gone against God. And there are some times that even as a good parent, you have to allow your kids to go through tough times. You have to allow your kids to go through pain 
to somewhat teach them a lesson. And you don't want them to get hurt and you wish you could do anything about it, but you realize if you don't allow them to figure this out, they're gonna be worse on the other side. Another kind of ridiculous thing when I was a kid is my grandfather lived in Eureka, Kansas, and he worked on the oil fields. And my grandfather was a raw man, okay? Big old boy, drove an old pickup truck, you know, typically had stains all over his white T-shirt, you know, uh, loved chewing tobacco. And I'm like seven, eight years old, and I want to be just like my grandpa. So what did I ask for? Grandpa, can I have some of that chewing tobacco? What'd he say? Sure, Tommy. So he opens up his pouch of red man. Take, 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 get some more. You need some more. Take some more. And I'm just, I'm just showing that stuff in there. And, and at first it's not bad. And then it gets really bad really quick. I, I'm throwing up like two hours later, right? Well, I guess you'll never do that again. <laughs> and I never did. It's like, it cured me, right? There are times we have to go through tough times, unfortunately, to, to, to learn things. Another reason we have to suffer is that is to learn to depend on him. You've probably heard the saying, you, you, don't know, you don't know that God is all you need until you know what God's all you got. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 10, listen to these words. It says, we were crushed and overwhelmed, saw how powerless we were to help ourselves, but that was good. That was good for then we put everything into the hands of God who could save us and he showed up and he actually did it. He helped us. And in those moments of our life, we're going, I, I don't know what to do, God. And he goes, that's perfect. Now let me take over. And he shows up. All of a sudden, our faith just grows in those moments. The last one I'm going to share with you guys, the reason we have to go through suffering sometimes is to minister to others. And that is God prepares you to serve. Now, I want to be really careful here because what I'm not saying is God allowed or did something bad to you to use it for something else. What I'm saying is we live in a broken world and bad things happen all the time to people. And God can take the good out of that and still use that. Okay, so here's what scripture says. Uh, scripture says in 2 Corinthians 1.4, he comforts those, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. And when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort he has given us. Now look at this one. What he's talking about very clearly is that because of what we've gone through, we can literally minister to someone else and connect with them in a way that other people can't. So just throwing out some random examples. If a woman is raped and that is a travesty and that is tragic and that is horrible. And if they've worked through that and God has healed them, there is no one better to minister to a woman who's gone through that. And you can apply that with everything. You grew up in a really dysfunctional family and all of a sudden God has changed that. There is no one uniquely gifted more to minister to someone else who's going through that stuff. Or, or maybe it's a, you've, you've overcome your demons and you used to be an alcoholic and you, you're finally sober for how many years? There is no one better who can say I know exactly what you're going through. And even though we go through the pain of this world, when God heals us, now all of a sudden we are uniquely gifted to minister to other people. And so whether we like it or not, suffering, it's just part of this world. And we've got to realize that as a calling in our life, God's going to use every bit of it, including, including the painful times, to show us. 
Now, here's the thing that I really want you to grasp. If you're here this morning, if you're watching online, and you say, well, I absolutely am a Christian, I'm saved. That's just who I am, though. I'm going to act the way I am, and I'm going to be a pompous rear, and I'm going to talk the way I talk, and I'm going to watch what I want to watch. And Okay, you're you're kind of this, right? You're kind of like, that ain't working. And God says, I have a plan, right? Okay, well, we're going to add sanctification now, and I'm going to begin to work on your life. But you're still not finished. You're not finished. Because I want you to do what I call you to do, and that, that, is, that is serve. And, and this last one, <laughs> this is the part, again, kind of picking on American Christians, is we don't like our out-of-comfort zone. We like things nice and warm and toasty and soft and just leave me alone, and I don't want to have to do that, and don't you dare ask me to do something. No, no, no. God says, no, I want you to learn to suffer. Maybe it's to get your attention. Maybe it's to teach you. Maybe it's to prepare you. Maybe it's to help somebody else. But honestly, until you get all these areas, you're not complete. Listen to this verse. I'm going to wrap it up with this. Romans 11:29. Are we called... God never changes his mind about the people he calls and the things he gives them. Another translation words it this way, it's irrevocable. In other words, God doesn't say, you know what? You don't need to serve anybody. Don't you worry about it. You know what? I'm not going to work on you. You came out perfect. Yeah, that's not going to happen. And unfortunately, we live in a broken world and God's not going to say, I'm sorry, I'm going to give you a life of no pain, no suffering. This is not where we belong. We belong somewhere else. And while we're here, we're on mission. And we are called, called, and called. I want to end the service this morning completely different. I'm going to ask you guys if you would stand up for me, please. Just stand up right where you're at. Um, I promise we're not going to get anything weird or heebie-jeebie, I promise. Um, we're not one of those churches. Uh, and if you're at home, um, same thing, J- just stand. I want you to hear these words from the Apostle Paul. And I, I want to close by speaking this over you. And I, I, I want to pray that, that God would just use these words to, to just settle upon your heart. Never, ever, ever ask the question, am I called? If you've been saved, you are called. And God wants to work in you and through you, not not to just feed you and build you up and get bigger and bigger and bigger. He's preparing you for battle. He's preparing you for service. And here's what it says. Let these words settle on you. God, God chose you. And we keep praying that God will make you worthy of being his people. We pray for God's power to help you do all the good things that you hope to do and that your faith makes you want to do. Then because God and our Lord Jesus Christ are so kind, you will bring honor to the name of our Lord Jesus, and he will bring honor to you. God adores you, and God loves you, and you are the most cherished possession he has. Let me close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the way that you are moving in the lives of everyone in this ministry. And Father, whether watching from Africa or Romania or out of the state or from home or down the road or in this room, Father, we know that you are alive and you are active and you are working incredible things. And so, Father, right now, I pray that you would just help us know that we have a purpose. 
And that purpose is so much bigger than attending a church service. That, Father, we desire to be your active, living disciples in the world around us. And, Father, we want to become more like your son. Father, continue to rub off the rough edges in our lives. Continue to humble us. And, Father, we pray that you would help us, help us earnestly get out of our comfort zones. Help us maybe take those small baby steps of faith. And then, Father, show us that what you can do through us can impact so many lives. Father, we love you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in to the Reclamation Church podcast. For more information on Reclamation Church, you can visit our website, re.church, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. It's re.churchplano. We look forward to seeing you on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Or you can just come back here on Mondays for our sermon episodes. And on Thursdays, we have our discussions podcast where me and the ministry coordinator, Katie Rose Boudet, talk about this week's sermon and apply it to our day-to-day. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next time.